Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. I see we have people that are entering in with expectation. Elon Sanchez, I read that and it blessed my heart. I already know my faith is going to be steered up to a new level. That's exactly how I want people to enter into this broadcast with an expectation that this is not a an hour to be informed. This is not an hour so that we can just hear something new. This is an hour for transformation. This is an hour of power where the power of God's going to hit you and show you things that need to, especially today concerning prayer, that need to be modified for you to have a more successful prayer life. And I pray, my prayer before I come on these broadcasts every single time is that the Lord would reveal to your heart. You know, the Bible says the entrance of His word is what brings light and light is the solution to darkness that God through these broadcasts would show you things via his word that would break the chains of darkness off your life that would unclog any pipeline that is preventing the blessing from getting to you that is preventing answered prayer anything that would hinder God's move in your life that through these broadcasts there it would act like a spiritual plumbing system to unclog every pipeline so that you can walk in liberty walk in freedom walk in power walk in absolute dominion over all the work of the devil the bible says that god has planned a glorious enviable future for you god has wonderful things lined up for you and the bible says the kingdom of heaven is available and accessible to all but not everyone finds it that's why we have to sit under the word of god and learn how can i not just hear about what's available to me but how can I retrieve how can I acquire how can I seize and bring down those things you know the Bible says in he, uh, Ephesians 1 3 that every spiritual blessing has been given to us in heavenly places but you know what good is what good are they in heaven if they're if they're in heavenly places and they remain in heavenly places it does us no good we don't want to just understand that there's a wonderful um there's wonderful blessings available to us we want to know how can we take those down by force and bring them out of the realm of heaven into the realm of our reality here on earth so that we can walk in the fullness of god and i believe that's what god's going to do for you specifically for your prayer life today god is going to take you to another level in the way you pray you're not going to pray dried up spiritually dead exhaustive prayers you are going to be praying from today onward as you adopt these new uh, these new principles into your prayer life your personal prayer life God is going to take you to another level you're going to pray just like Elijah prayed he didn't have to spend much time praying he prayed a 15 second prayer and fire fell from heaven it's not about the length of prayer it's not about the volume you exit you uh you you have in prayer the prayer volume you have it's not about how loud you pray it's not about how many uh shakespearean words you use in prayer it's not about the bible translation you use in prayer it's about the faith and about uh being biblically lined up 
When you're praying, that brings forth many results. And Elijah was a man of like nature. But when he prayed, the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. When he prayed, fire fell. A 15-second prayer caused fire to fall. Why? That shows you that it has nothing to do with, with the length of prayer. It has everything to do with praying Bible prayers, praying biblically right, praying biblically sound prayers. And that's what I believe God's going to do for you today. If you will take a second and begin to share this uh, this broadcast share this broadcast share it as many times as you can share it till you're you, you get uh tendonitis in your in your wrist or whatever just keep on sharing it if you're on youtube please like uh and you can share it on youtube as well but Help me out today to get this message out to as many people as possible. Today's message is five common mistakes people make in prayer. What are five common mistakes that I've observed um, in my, you know, I've only been saved for eight, nine years now, eight years. But these are five of the most common mistakes I've heard uh, in other people uh, when they pray. And uh, I want to start off by reading James chapter 4. And I, I wrote in the description of this broadcast that it's not good enough just to do something. It's not enough just to do something. You have to do it properly for it to have results. We're not praying to waste time. We're not praying to, to, to take up time. We're not praying just so we can have some religious exercise that we do. We're not praying just so we can go through the motions and the duty of prayer. We pray for results. If you're not praying for results, what in the world is the point of praying if you're just praying to pray it's like going to a grocery store you don't walk into a grocery store with a cart and just shop around and just go through the aisles and and you're starving and someone comes up to you an attendant says hey can i help you with anything and you say no just here to shop you know that's how most people pray no i'm just praying what are you praying for brother oh nothing in particular just praying to pray well that's exactly what you'll receive nothing in particular you have to pray for results pray with expectation that god is not a man that he should lie that if he asked you to pray then obviously it reveals his willingness to answer that prayer when he said ask and you shall receive he meant it just as much as when he said he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten and son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life this book is either all the bible or not the bible at all this book is either all of god's truth or none of god's truth at all we're not trying to pick and choose our favorite verses the bible says all scripture is inspired of god and is profitable for our training in righteousness and part of righteousness is learning how to pray effective prayers the Bible says it within it is the power to train us up in righteousness, to train us up in our prayer lives, to train us up so that we're not praying amiss or we're praying uh, mistakenly. The Bible says in James chapter 4, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war in your members? You lust and you don't have. You murder and you covet and can obtain. You fight in war, yet you don't have because you don't ask. I dealt with this on Tuesday. The, the, the number one hindrance to prayer is uh, that you'll face is not praying. And prayerlessness is a, is a, uh, a revelation of pridefulness in the heart. When you don't pray, it's as simple as this. You have pride that you need to uproot. 
Because pride, remember what it did for Satan. He said within his heart, I will ascend unto the highest. I'm going to go above the stars of God. I'm going to sit as God in the temple of God. And the Bible says that's what got his rear end thrown out of heaven. And so pride is a destructive force. When you're a Christian and you have pride in your heart, you're going to see it. It'll be evident because you're not going to pray without season. You're going to think you can do things on your own. And you're going to find out the hard way that there are things. There's everything in life. You can't do it on your own. Jesus himself, the anointed son of God, came and said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. I can do nothing of my own. I can do nothing by myself. He said, only what I see the Father do, that do I. Jesus said, a disciple is not above his master. Neither is a uh, uh, a servant above his, his master. A servant's not above his master. A disciple's not above his teacher. It, but it is enough for a servant or a disciple to become like his master and to become like his teacher. Well, if Jesus, you study his life, the first thing he did after he was baptized and anointed by the Holy Ghost was to drive out into the wilderness and pray and fast for 40 days. And then he returned in the power of the Spirit and he had daily triumph over the enemy. If you will not Take time to pray. You will not enjoy triumph and victory every day of life. Jesus, if the anointed Christ, the Son of God made flesh, had to make time daily, the Bible says, and a long while before daylight, he rose up and departed to a solitary place to pray. If he needed to pray, how much more do you think that we need to pray? And Jesus wasn't praying little cute American prayers like, Father, I just pray you'll bless my day today, you know. Let your hand be on my life and uh, just guide me wherever I go. No, Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible says how he prayed. He wasn't praying, you know, with his face alone, just doing like different, you know, how some Christians do. They do different faces and they feel like if they just strain their eyes hard enough and they look like they just ingested pickle juice or were baptized in lime juice that, you know, God will answer their prayer. But the Bible says of Jesus that in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and with tears. There was a passion. There, his heart was engaged in his praying. The Bible says of Elijah, when he prayed for rain to fall after the three years of drought, he wasn't praying, God, if you could just send rain right now. No, the Bible says he prayed in such a fervent position that his head was between his knees. He prayed with his head between his knees. The Bible says of Hannah, she prayed so passionately, and I'm going to say it, passion alone isn't going to do anything. But when you have genuine faith in your heart, tied in with desperation, that if God doesn't pull through for me, I'm going to die an early death. If God doesn't pull through for me, I'm not paying rent this month. If God doesn't pull through for me, my children aren't going to make it. If God doesn't pull through for me, then I'm not going to move forward. I'm going to camp and stay stagnant here the rest of my life. When you start to have a desperation and then faith tied to that desperation, faith in God's word, proof that God has done it before and proof that God will do it again, then you're going to pray like Hannah prayed. She prayed to the point where Eli, the high priest, thought that she was drunk, thought that she had, she was like, it was 9 a.m. and she had already ingested a full bottle of Jack Daniels or something. But the scripture says she replied, Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring out my soul before the Lord. And what happened? A year later, 
according to the time of birth, she held her son Samuel in her hands. I tell you, if you'll start to have an attitude in your heart that I don't have to tolerate what I'm going through. I don't. God has given me weapons of warfare, which the Bible says are powerful enough to tear down strongholds in my life. You know, people have this attitude that, you know, if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. That's not true. That is not true. That's furthest from the truth. Because God wants everyone to be saved, but the truth is is that not everyone is saved. The Bible says God wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But there are many that reject salvation. There are many that scoff at the message of the cross. The Bible says to them that received it, them, to them gave he the power to become children of God. So it's not just, well, whatever God wants me to have, I'll have it. Well, there are many things in the Bible that God promises Christians to have and not every Christian's walking in victory, not every Christian's walking in health, not every Christian's walking in prosperity, not every Christian's walking in deliverance. And those are things God has said, I want you to have. So it's, you have to lose that religious uh, mindset that if he, wants, if he wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. So I'll just pray, Lord, if it be thy will, you would heal me of this Jesus told the leper that came to him and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And before Jesus healed him, he had to correct him of his improper theology. I am willing. God's willing today. God's willing to set you free. God's, God was willing to deliver your soul from death. Therefore, he's also going to be willing to deliver your feet from falling, to deliver your eyes from tears of sorrow, to deliver your body from sickness, to deliver your life from death. The Bible says he did not, if he reconciled us when we were enemies. If he did everything at the cross while we were still enemies, how much more, having now been reconciled, will he give us everything freely to, re to enjoy? He didn't redeem you as a servant. We're not trying to buy our way back into God's favor. When we get saved, we're in God's favor, and we now can approach his throne boldly to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of, uh, in time of need. And mercy is not just getting your sins forgiven. B blind Bartimaeus cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't get his sins forgiven. He had his eyes open. So mercy obviously covers more than just getting your sins forgiven. When you cry out to God for mercy, he'll heal your body. He'll open up your blind eyes. He'll unstop your deaf ears. He'll do what is humanly impossible to show forth his glory and his love for you in this day. Verse 3, you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. You don't ask properly that you might spend it on your own pleasure. So the Bible says, not me, James 4, 3 says you can actually ask amiss. You can ask amiss. You can ask wrongly. It, it, you know, just trying to do something doesn't guarantee success in that thing. I can try to do an oil change on my car. I have never learned to do an oil change on my car. I've never studied how to do it. I've never looked at a YouTube video. I will probably either mess up my engine. I'll do something wrong. I tried to do it. I could even spend 14 hours trying to change my oil on my car. It won't change the oil on my car. I need to know how to do it properly. Or I bring it to a mechanic who knows how to do it properly. And that's where most of the body of Christ lies they try to pray and they're gallant prayer failures they never receive answer to prayer so what do they do they they outsource their prayers they contract it out to others but god doesn't want you to if you're a new believer there's a time where god will allow you grace to uh you know ask people to stand in prayer with you and and um 
And, and you can rely on, on others' prayers to help you out through difficult times and seasons. I, I believe that. But there has to come a point in your Christianity where you mature to the point where I'm not going to rely on other people's praying. Matthew 25, there were the ten virgins. Five were foolish, five were wise. Five carried oil. Five carried power in their prayer. Five, they didn't carry power. What happened when the bridegroom came? They said, let us have some of your oil, for it's too late. We can't go back and buy some for ourselves. It's too late. Let us have some of your oil. There's too many Christians that are relying on other people's oil and prayer powers to receive their own breakthrough and deliverance, and they're not growing up in their most holy faith. That's why the Bible says we are to pray in the Holy Ghost, which builds us up individually in our most holy faith. God wants you to pray. If God didn't want you to pray, he would have kept the old covenant the old system of doing things where you can go to the high priest he'll enter in on your behalf you know he would have been you know that's what catholicism is you can't really pray much to god but you can go to get uh, confession you can go to a priest you can go to someone else who will go and stand on your behalf do you know what the good news of this new covenant is jesus christ is the high priest of our confession the bible says we can approach god in his name and have audience with god i can get god's full attention on me today the moment i say father in jesus name god hears me and if god hears me then i have confidence that god is going to do for me what i ask of him that leads me to my first point my first point is that in five common mistakes made in prayer point number one is not praying in the name of jesus not praying in the name of jesus is a a, a destruct uh it, it'll wipe your it'll wipe your you, you, none of your prayers are going to be heard not praying in the name of jesus guarantees that none of your prayers are heard and I'm saying this because, you know, some of you it might be, well, that's a given. You know, we've been taught to pray in the name of Jesus. Not everyone's been taught to pray in the name of Jesus. There are many who, who finish their prayers like in thy name. And we pray in his name. Is, does someone have a gun to your head that you can't actually utter out the name Jesus? Why is it that in a freak country like America and Canada and wherever you're from, Australia... Nobody has a, you're in your private prayer closet. Nobody has a gun to your head saying, if you say that name, I'll blast your head. And still, not, uh, forget uh, Christians. There are ministers, leaders in the church that when they're asked to pray publicly, they, they finish it off. And in his name, we pray. Say the name of Jesus. Why do we say that? John chapter 16. Listen to what Jesus said on how we are to pray. John 16 and verse 23, in that day, what day is he talking about? He's talking about the day uh, when he would appear before God as the sacrifice, the substitute for our sin by his own blood and obtain for us eternal redemption. And now when you accept him, the blood of Jesus washes away your sin and you too can come before God. And the Bible says in that day, in the day where we would be redeemed, in the day that Christ would, would um, appear before God as the, the substitutionary lamb of God that takes away our sins so that we now can stand in Christ's righteousness before God and have our, our prayers heard. In that day, Jesus said, you will ask me nothing. So that's another thing. We're not praying to Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus. Jesus himself said, you will ask me nothing. That's not me. 
You can have fellowship with Jesus. You can worship Jesus. You can tell Jesus how much you love him. You can tell Jesus how thankful you are for what he did for you. You can tell Jesus how, how grateful you are that he's coming back again. You can do all that. You can talk to Jesus. Absolutely. But when you're praying for results, the Bible says, in that day, you should ask me nothing. Don't ask me anything. Rather, I say to you, most assuredly, when Jesus says most assuredly, in other translations, it's truly, truly. He's trying to say, it's like a, a, a double emphasis. Not only is this truth, this is the truth of truths. So pay special attention. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name. So who are we asking? We're asking the Father. When the disciples asked Jesus to how to pray. Jesus didn't say, and you should ask me. No, he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we're approaching the Father on the basis of the name of Jesus. The Bible says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, whatever, whatever you ask the Father. Well, I don't know if you can ask for that, brother. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, if it's found in this book, you have a legal right to ask God for it. He will give you. Doesn't say he might give it to you. Doesn't say he's going to actually assess you and see whether it be right for you. It doesn't say uh, he'll, he'll give it to you if it's best for you. It says if you ask him for it and he's already promised you it, then you he will give it. There's no room for doubt. Jesus spoke in definite terms. It's preachers, modern day preachers, and religious teachings that sows creeping thoughts of indefinite terms. Well, if it be as well, well, we can never know if he wants to do it for us, but we just got to leave it up to him and he knows what's best for us. Yes, he knows what's best for us. And he wrote a book that shows you things that are best for you to have. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he'll give you verse 24 until now. So while the disciples were with Jesus uh, in the first century AD, when he was physically with them. They didn't pray to the Father. They just asked him, hey, Jesus, we need this done. And the, Jesus would pray the Father, and the thing would get done. But until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Now, I'm telling you, in that day, when all is said and done, ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be made full. Verse 25 says, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I'll tell you plainly about the Father. Verse 26, John chapter uh, 16 and verse 26. In that day, again he's saying, in that day you will ask in my name. He didn't say you'll ask me. He said you'll ask in my name. And then he goes on, I don't say to you that I'll pray the Father to, for you. So he's saying, I'm not even going to have to go before the Father on your behalf anymore because that's what they did while well, those three and a half years that they followed him for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that i have come forth from god hallelujah what a privilege that at any time you know what the good news about this is it doesn't matter if it's 3 a.m or 3 p.m it doesn't matter if there's 50 Christians around you that are prayer warriors that'll stand in agreement with you or you're alone in a desert somewhere in the Sahara. You have covenant access to God because of the name of Jesus. At any given time, we can use the name of Jesus as a passport to stand before God. And when we come before him in that name, 
God looks on us as though it were Christ coming before him. God looks on us with the same holiness and the same righteousness Christ has so that we don't have to come before him wondering if God's going to strike us down. We can come before him knowing that we have confidence that whatever we ask of him, he will give to us because we're not standing before him on our own righteousness and basis of our own righteousness, but we're standing before him based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus is our passport uh, to get to the throne of God. It's the only way to approach God. There's no other way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody can come to the Father except by me. So he's, it's by the name of Jesus that we access the only way to come before the Father. So that's why, that's why the devil doesn't care if you believe in God. That's why the devil doesn't care if you pray, uh, if you pray to God um, and just like use a generic term like God. That's why the, the devil doesn't care. That's why when, you know, politicians ask preachers to come and uh, pray before their little rallies or whatnot, they'll always tell them most of the time, you know, evil ones. There are good politicians, but the ones that are in cahoots with the devil, they'll tell them, the preacher, you can pray and, and mention anything you want, but you can't pray in the name of Jesus. You have to pray just to God. Just use a generic term. Because God can be God to anything. God to a Muslim is Allah. God to a Hindu is Vishnu. God to, you know, any God, uh, any religion or any person can mean anything. God to one man in America could mean money and mammon. So just saying the name of God, it doesn't do anything. It's the name of Jesus. That's why I like, um, there was a preacher that I know. He was asked to do this at a, like a televised event that was being televised by many people, uh, towards many people. And uh, they asked him to not say the name of Jesus. He can pray anything, but just don't say the name of Jesus. And he just like nodded his head. But he already had planned that he's going he's gonna to say that name as much as he can throughout the prayer. So he gets up. You know, they had the rabbi come up. They had the Muslim imam come up. They had the different religions come up, new age person come up. And they did their prayers. And so he shows up and he grabs the mic. And he says, I love it. He says, Father in heaven, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we come to you today through the name or in the name of the name that is above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we come. And then he began to pray. And you should see every politician, their eyes rolled back, their, back behind their heads. Their, uh, if any there was any woman politician that had done Botox, their Botox immediately shriveled up. It's like when you, there was an interview on CNN uh, with uh, Benjamin Watson, who was a former NFL player. And uh, they asked him to come on and talk about inner city problems and whatnot. And uh, he starts to talk about how ultimately the inner city problems aren't going to be solved by legislation. It's not going to be solved by putting in some new rule or law. Obviously, people get kill and it's against a lot of kill. So the laws aren't changing, are not going to solve the human heart, the problem in the human heart. So he starts to say it's the blood of Jesus. And he starts to say and mention the name of Jesus immediately. CNN that had never had a power outage 
in 40 years of history, all of a sudden, they, oh, we seem to have difficulties, technical difficulties, and that little rainbow-colored screen comes on, uh, we just lost them. Anyways, we'll move on to our next schedule. They, they can't stand the devil. Every time you say the name of Jesus, and we can use the name of Jesus to approach God for prayer, but the Bible says in John 14, let me tell you this, John, this will this uh, help you a lot. John 14 and verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do, and greater works than these he'll do, because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do. So John 16 is talking about using the name of Jesus in prayer. John 14 is using the name of Jesus in attacking a situation, in reversing a situation, in dealing with the devil himself. Whatever you ask in my name, that word ask, if you study the original Greek, actually says to demand, to, to forcefully demand something. So it's not talking about demanding from God. It's, it's not even talking about praying to God in this situation. It's talking about demanding things in life in the name of Jesus. You feel a pain come on your body? I demand that, name, uh, that pain to leave in the mighty name of Jesus. You, you see your kids uh, being messed up by the devil's work, you can demand the hand of the devil to lift off your child's life and that he would walk in peace in Jesus' name. If you see um, the devil trying to meddle into any of your affairs, the Bible says we have authority and power to cast out devils and power and authority over all the work of the devil and nothing shall by any means harm us. The disciples, the Bible says they returned after they had been sent out for the ministry and they returned with great joy and they said, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. So they weren't using the name to pray to the Father. They were using the name to back up the forces of darkness and to bring in the forces of God's kingdom. You can use the name today, not only to come before God. There are things that you pray for and then there's things you pray against. You don't have to pray for your body to be made well. Jesus did everything he's going to do for you to be made well. You have to pray against that sickness. You have to pray against that tumor. Tumor, I'm not going to let you survive in this body. Tumor, I'm not going to let you take any real estate in this body. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I was bought with a price and I have a command from heaven to glorify God in my body and in my spirits and in my spirit and sickness doesn't glorify God therefore I demand you break off my body I demand you wither Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three 23 that if you have a mountain before you if you'll have faith in God you can say to this mountain you can say doesn't say you can pray about that mountain it says you can say to the mountain you can speak to your problem and say be thou uprooted you have no legal right to stay another day in my life be thou uprooted and cast into the midst of the sea and if you believe in your heart and do not doubt you shall have what you say we're not only using the name to come before God but we have a legal right to use that name that anything that's not your inheritance as outlined in this book you have a legal right to stand in the gap on behalf of your family on behalf of your business and say devil you have no right to be here in the name of Jesus and the moment you mention that name the, the devil Satan is reminded of that defeat of Calvary he's reminded of the beating he suffered at Calvary. He's reminded of that resurrection day when Christ ascended with the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he has no choice but to leave your body, leave your home, leave your life all alone. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I tell you, whatever, <laughs> whatever you suffer, 
Whatever the devil's made you go through, whatever the devil's made you, uh, was beating you down with, whatever has turned upside down in life, whatever is making life non-enjoyable, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command that mountain to be uprooted. I command every, every planting that my heavenly Father has not planted to be uprooted today in the name of Jesus Christ if you believe that, I want you to shout the loudest hallelujah you've ever shouted wherever you're at. Hallelujah. You don't wait for the walls to fall down. You shout now and God, to, God will send a wind to blow those impossible situations out of your life. Hallelujah. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The Bible says we can't even thank God properly without the name of Jesus. In everything, give thanks to the Father for all things. In the name of Jesus Christ. So when we thank God, we have to thank Him in the name of Jesus. So not praying in the name of Jesus is a common mistake. And you can see it in Acts chapter 3. The Bible says Peter and John were on, the, on their way to the hour of prayer. And they saw a man lame who was laid at the gate called Beautiful Daily. And he asked alms to, be, uh, to, to receive from their hand, gold, silver, whatnot. And they had not silver or gold, but they said, such as we do have in the name of Jesus Christ. They used the name. And when they used the name, it ended that man's paralysis. And immediately, his anchor bones, ankle bones received strength. And he began to rise up, leap, run, and praise God. It was the name of Jesus. Peter, when he went to Aeneas' house in Acts chapter 9, he was bedridden for eight years. Who knows what happened? Maybe he had a chariot accident. Maybe he got run over by a boulder. Who knows? But he had no strength in his legs. Was bedridden for eight years. And Peter comes, before, comes into his room, and the Bible says he prayed beside his bed, and he looked at him, and he says, Jesus the Christ heals you. And when that name was issued... He walked up and fame of that miracle spread throughout Joppa and the region of Sharon and many turned to the Lord as a result of it. So the name of Jesus is what gives us credit in heaven. Think of it this way. If you go to a bank and you have a check and beside you is the man that wrote the check who's a very known wealthy person, that bank is not going to refuse to deposit that money and give you that money available for use right now and right then. Because the person standing by you who has a credible history and is a known, a notable, uh, wealthy person. Well, in the same vein, Jesus is our credit in heaven. When we use the name, he stands by us when we're petitioning the Father. And all the resources, remember Jesus in Revelation 5, the Bible says, worthy is the Lamb who is uh, worthy to receive riches, honor, dominion, power, might, strength, forever and ever. So those are the things Christ received because of his obedience. He was bestowed, there was bestowed on him a name that is higher than every other name. And the Bible says he was worthy to receive dominion, might, riches, strength and power forever and ever when you use the name all of those resources that christ has now become your resources so that when you depart you know when we go before god in prayer it's like god gave us a blank check and the name of jesus is the endorsement the endorsement of that check that we can fill in that check with any promise outlined in his book and because of christ endorsing that check we know that God will hear us, and as a result, he'll do for us what we, what we desire. Number two prayer mistake, 
And this is huge. You need to pay attention. The number two prayer mistake is not living a holy life. If you're not walking in righteousness, you have no legal right to stand before God's throne. The Bible says without holiness, no man will see God. You know when you go to a, an appointment somewhere and they're busy and there's four people in front of you and the first person, first person goes, second, third, and then finally the secretary comes out and he says, hey, now so-and-so or doctor this or uh, the accountant will now see you. Well, the Bible says... Without holiness, God will not see you. You can stand in the waiting room all you want. That's why there's people that are waiting for a, a God to answer their prayer and they continue to wait and they're continuing to wait and they'll wait till they die because you need to live a holy life. Let me read this for you. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Thanks for joining me right, uh, today. If you will, just share this broadcast. You'd help me a lot. And uh, I love you all. I really enjoyed doing these broadcasts. And I know today people are being changed. Things are transforming for you. I know the blinders of the enemy are lifting off. And some of you have had aha moments. Aha. That's exactly what I need to start doing. And I pray there'd be a, a, a great shift in your prayer life from today onward. In Jesus' name. 50. I, uh, Psalm 50. And verse 15, the Bible says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But verse 16 says, But to the wicked. So to the righteous, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer you, and you will glorify me. But to the wicked. So the promises of God are not for everybody. They're a yes and amen only as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you will bring forth much fruit. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Only when it abides in the vine can it bear fruit. If it's detached, it is good for nothing but to be bundled up and burnt by fire. John 15, 7. Therefore, abide in me, let my words abide in me, abide in you, and you shall ask for anything, and it will be given you. Jesus said in John 15, verse 16. I, you did not choose me. I chose you that you should what? That you should uh, bring forth much fruit and that your fruit should remain. And part of that fruit is living a life of repentance. And when we bring forth much fruit, John 15, 16 says, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So you can see that holiness is the bedrock upon which we have success in prayer. Holiness is the bedrock upon which we have success in our prayer life. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? What, have, what right have you to come before me with my word? If you're, you're consistently living a life of sin, you're practicing sin. I'm not talking about you made a mistake yesterday and now you, you have no right to stand before. No, the Bible says if you have sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that if we'll come before him and reason together with him, though our sins are like scarlet, he'll make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, he'll make them as white as wool. So if you have sin, you can come before God. Jesus is the advocate on our behalf before the Father. 
Father and He will cleanse away, wash away, bury your sins in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered again. So I'm not saying if you have sinned in the past that you should be condemned and don't expect God to answer your prayers. I'm saying that if you live a life you are insistent on sinning. You are deliberately sinning. You are practicing. You're living with a woman who's not your wife. You're living with a man who's not your husband. You are watching things on your television that you ought not to watch. You are practicing a life of sin. The Bible says, not me, the Bible says, and I say it actually, forget that. I do say it because if the Bible says it, that's my confession. The Bible says it, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing that you have hated my instruction and you cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him. You, you're, inv- you're evading taxes before a local government. You will have no standing before the ultimate government, which is heaven's government. You pay your taxes. Render unto Caesar what belonged to Caesar's. And unto, well, I don't believe they deserve all that. Doesn't matter. You live in the nation, you pay the taxes. There are people trying to save $30 by paying cash. And as a result, forfeit. Forfeit. All, you know, sweep their prayer life to nothing. Let me read this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist was baptizing people at the River Jordan. And Pharisees and Sadducees came to him to be baptized by him. And he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the, the wrath to come? And he told them, therefore, bear, he told them, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Just saying, I'm saved, does not make you saved. Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day... And we'll say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. And I will say to them, depart from me, you doers of lawlessness. You never repented. You never turned from sin. When I convicted you, you were, you were insistent. You were headstrong to go and dive deep down regardless into that thing I told you not to do. Proverbs chapter 1. That's why the Bible says in 1 first, first Corinthians 6, Uh, 2 Corinthians 6. Therefore, come out from the unclean thing. There's too many people living in this world, living worldly lives all the while. They sing songs on Sunday and they think God hears their worship. The Bible actually says God doesn't hear everyone's worship. The scripture says that there are people who offer up sacrifices that are, are irritating to God. There are people that God actually says, quit sacrificing to me. Stop doing it. It's it's a nuisance to me. That's why David said, I will offer up unto God a sacrifice of righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Who can ascend the hill of the Most High God? Only those that have clean hands and a pure heart. This message isn't to condemn you. This message is to show you. This is why your prayers aren't being answered. You have to learn. You have to do what Jesus said. Enter in by the narrow way. Enter in by the difficult way. There's things you're going to have to drop off if you're going to if you're going to live in, in in holiness before God. There's things you're going to have to sever from your life. You're going to have to detach, disconnect. There are people that keep drawing you into the same slaughterhouse every time you hang out with them and you haven't learned. 
He that walks with the wise shall be wise, but the companions of fools shall be destroyed. So I pray today, grace will come on you, not only to identify the sin in your life, not only to identify those that facilitate sin in your life, but grace will come on you to live a life of righteousness, to turn, to do rep repentance, metanoia, to turn the other way, to no longer be on that broad way that leads to destruction, but to come on the way of righteousness, which is a way of life, a way of honor, a way of, of riches, a way of, of goodness and mercy. That's why David could say, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, because he had made the Lord his shepherd. Where you go, I will follow. And though none go with me, if it's unpopular, it does not matter matter anymore i will follow because the bible says sin brings forth death you can't produce the fruit of righteousness while sowing seeds of sin you cannot produce the fruit of righteousness while you you continually sow the seed of sin the bible says he that sows in in sin shall reap in sorrow the bible says many Many sorrows will come to those who hasten after other gods. Listen to Proverbs 1. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I'll pour out my spirit on you and I'll make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused. I called you. You know Zechariah 3? Uh, Zechariah 7.13 says this. Because I called and you would not hear me, even so you will call and I will not hear you which encap encapsulates my second point in, se in five common mistakes people make when they pray, that if you don't live a holy life, God will not hear you when you pray. If I had regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. Zechariah 7.13, because I cried out and you would not listen, so you will cry out and I will not hear. Gehazi. Gehazi was a... a a man whose eyes were on riches. He was fixed on riches. He didn't live right before God. When Elisha sent him to lay his staff on that dead child in 2 Kings chapter uh, 5, I believe it is, the child stayed dead. His prayers didn't work. He, he did what the man of God told him to do. He, but because his heart was in riches, because his heart was full of covetousness, his prayers availed to nothing. But then Elisha came, and prayed, and the boy jumped back. The Bible says he sneezed and rose back to life. So it's not getting the right words. You can pray all. I can write up my, my prayers that I've received answers to in the past. And have you read them. That's why people say, well, I read prayer books. You can read, a prayer, you can read the prayers of Charles Spurgeon. You can read the prayers of Jonathan Edwards, for goodness sake. You can read the prayers of Jesus himself from John 17. And not have any answer to prayer. Because holiness, like I said before, is the foundation of answered prayers. Because I have called, you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel, you would have none of my rebuke. You set it aside. I don't need to do that. Well, God, God looks at my heart. Amen. How many times have you heard that? You have a, a, a woman who's, sleeping with a man that's not her husband, coming to church, and then here's a message on repentance. And, well, God knows my heart. Hey, judge not lest ye be judged. How many of you heard that one? Twisting the scriptures. Jesus wasn't saying judge not lest ye be judged so that we can never point people out the wrongdoings of their life. He's saying 
If you're doing the thing that you're telling other people not to do, you shouldn't judge them because you're going to be heavily judged. Jesus, uh, P- Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians, he said, what, what do I have in judging the outside world? God will judge the outside world. But those that are in the church, we should help them. The Bible says that some you should save by fear, pulling, snatching them out of the fire, hating the garment defiled by the flesh. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm pointing out this specific point. Because I don't want you to be frustrated in prayers. I don't want you to go to hell and be one of those lined up for the lake of fire and saying, man, I wish someone told me. I'm telling you now, be sure your sins will find you out. But if you'll repent and be converted, times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And I tell you, as far as you've gone into sin, it's not going to take God 15 years to bring you out. This day, today is the day of salvation. From today, you're going to experience the wind of heaven, the refreshing of heaven as you turn from those wicked ways and turn to God I will laugh at your calamity God said because you wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't repent I'll mock you when your terror comes when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you then you'll call on me but I will not answer you God said that God they will seek me diligently but they won't find me because they hated knowledge and didn't choose the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 8. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way. The Bible says the soul that sinneth it shall die. You will eat the fruit of your own way. What you plant be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows he shall also reap. If a man sows to the spirit he will from the spirit reap life eternal. If he sows to the flesh he will corrupt every part of his life. They'll eat the fruit of their own way. They'll be filled to the full of their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools. What does complacency complacency mean? means doing nothing about what I'm telling you right now. Well yeah. Just staying in conviction. I I saw someone write this on Facebook today. Conviction does not equal repentance. Just being convicted does not mean you've repented. Oh, man, I feel wrong every time I do that. That does not mean you've repented. That doesn't mean anything. I could feel wrong as I machete somebody's leg and hack it up. Doesn't mean I've repented as I keep hacking it up. That's an extreme example, but it proves true. Conviction does not equal repentance. You have to do something about it today. When Joshua and Joshua 7 saw that Israel had lost war against Ai, which was a tiny little village, after they had just destroyed Jericho by the power of God, they come before a little tiny village. But because Achan had sinned and taken some of the gold for his own house, Israel had sinned in the camp, and as a result, they failed their next mission. But Joshua had already heard from God that if you walk before me, none of the people before you will ever be able to stand before you. The Bible says, I'll be with you everywhere you go. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads on will be land that I've given unto you. You want to know the most confused Christian is? The Christian that knows the promises of God, but fails to live a life of repentance and holiness. Because they know everything God's promised them, but nothing's working for them. Joshua had that. Joshua went before Ai. They lost that battle miserably. So he comes before God and says, God, didn't you tell us that we'd have overwhelming victory? Everywhere we go, God says there's sin in the camp. 
And they went, found out it was Achan. When they destroyed Achan, when they uprooted the sin in the camp, when they dealt with the issue at hand, then victory started to unfold again in their lives. Verse 33, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So when you listen to God, you'll dwell safely. That's where, He that dwells in the shelter of the Almighty shall abide under the shadow of, all, of Almighty God. And they will not be afraid of the terror by night. They will not be afraid of the pestilence, the viruses, the diseases that stalk in darkness. A thousand can fall to the right hand and ten thousand on, the right, on their other hand. But these evils will not approach them. No evil shall befall them, nor plague come near their tent because he has set his love on me. What's, what does it mean to love God? I love God. Really? Because your life doesn't show it. Jesus said, when you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. There is an outward expression of an inward love. When you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will love him. And I will come to him. And I will disclose. I'll manifest my power to him. Hallelujah. Prayer mistake number three is not tying scripture to your prayer request. To every prayer request that you have, you should have at least three accompanying scriptures that back up that God desires to have, uh, to give you what you desire to have. First John 5.14. Let me read this. First John 5.14 and 15. I, I, I kind of alluded to this on Tuesday's broadcast, but I want to drill into it a little more. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So the word of God is the will of God. That's why the Bible says we are to study his book of the law to show ourselves approved unto God. When you come before God, we're just complaining. You'll leave with just heaviness and distress and more complaints. You have to come before God equipped by his word. When you're believing God for healing, for example, you don't just say, God healed me. I saw you healed this person so you can heal me. That's not faith. Your faith can never go beyond your knowledge of the word of God. Your prayers should never venture past your faith. People pray uh, and they're praying things they saw God do for others, but they've never built themselves up in faith to actually ask for that from God. So they're praying beyond their faith. The Bible says when you prophesy, you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. When you pray in the same vein, you should pray in proportion to your faith. And how do you build faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Psalm 1, the Bible says, How blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he delights or he meditates on day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted. Your faith gets established and firmly planted when you meditate on God's word. When you study God's word. God told Joshua, this book of the law, if you're going to have faith to have victory everywhere you go, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth. But you should be careful to meditate on it day and night, for then you, you will be prosperous and you will find good success. The way we build faith into our spirits is by commending 
our lives to the word of God. By focusing, fixing on what God has said. Jesus said, he that hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who built his house on a rock. So you'll be an unstable Christian if you don't build your house on the word of God. And it's not enough just to know the word of God. You have to not just be a hearer, but an effectual doer of the word. So faith doesn't just come by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, by receiving and obeying God's word. Uh, Charles Finney, who was one of the awakening guys, he would pray prayers as such. His boldness in, in prayer was like this. I come with your faithful promises in hand and I cannot be denied. That's the confidence we have before God when we come by his word. We have confidence that it's his. You said it. And he said, I cannot deny myself. So if God said it and he, can, he can't deny himself, then he cannot deny his word because he honors his word above his name. So when we pray according to his word, the answers will come cheaply. Daniel did this. Daniel prayed the will of God. He, the Bible says, I, Daniel, understood by the books. He had read Jeremiah. 70 years of captivity. So what did he do? He reminded God, Lord, you said 70 years and not more. It's been 70 years. What's going on? And an angel came and that began the exodus of Israel out of Babylonian captivity. That happened because of an encounter with the word. You, you, you don't have a, a spouse and you believe in God, you've been believing God for a spouse? Three scriptures you should come before God with. One, God said, he that finds a wife or a spouse finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. God, you said that if I find a spouse, that's a good thing. Scripture two, Psalm 84, 11, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So two, you said, A, finding a spouse is a good thing. Two, you said that you wouldn't withhold good things from those who walk uprightly. And then three, the Bible says in uh, the book of Matthew, what God has brought together, let no man put, this, put asunder. So God, you can bring this thing together. Talking about marriage. Jesus was talking about marriage in that, in that instance. So those are three scriptures you can stand on today. And I tell you, if you'll do that, it won't be long before your wedding day comes. It won't be long. Because you didn't just come before God complaining and whining, oh, why is nobody interested in me? Oh, look, these people are younger than me and they're getting married. Oh. That doesn't do anything to God. I'll repeat this again. God does not respond to affliction. God responds to effectual communication. And effective communication in prayer is reminding him of his word. Put me in remembrance of my word, says the Lord. State your case that you might be acquitted. Prayer mistake number three, not tying scripture to the word of God, uh, to your prayer requests. I'll give you other ones. Just If you're believing God for healing, here are three scriptures you, just to help you out. Here are three scriptures that can, that'll um, lay the foundation for that prayer. Exodus 15, 26. If you'll walk before me and be diligent to uphold all my statutes, I, the Lord, will be your healer. I'll not permit any of the diseases upon you, which, you, which I permitted upon the Egyptians. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. He heals all my diseases and he forgives all my sins. That's two scriptures. If God, if you, if you honored my prayer when I asked you to forgive me of my sin, then I know you'll honor me in my prayer when I ask you to heal me of my disease. Prayer request, num uh, scripture number three, 
The Bible says in Jeremiah, God will bring us health and a cure. And he'll reveal unto us the, the abundance of his truth. God said, I'll bring you health and a cure. So I'll not only heal you, I'll give you divine health. Those are three scriptures. You can come before the throne of grace and mercy to obtain the grace for healing to help you now. And now what happens when the devil comes in and tries to sow doubt? You're not going to be, oh man, uh, prone to doubt anymore. Man, I don't know what to do. You know, that's right. Aunt Sally died and it was the same thing I had. no. And Sally might not have had the same scriptures I'm standing on. I'm not standing on my hope. I'm not standing on my wishes and dreams. I'm standing on the word of God that is established forever. And that cannot change. My covenant I will not break. And I'll not alter the words that proceed out of my mouth. Hallelujah. You're believing God for financial breakthrough? You've sowed? You've given? You've done everything you know to do? Stand on God's word when you come before him and pray. Deuteronomy 28. You shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. I'll make you the head always and never the tail. Deuteronomy 28. Number two, Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So God's blessing makes rich. That's talking about financial riches too. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, wealth and riches are in the house of the righteous. So if you've been taught that God wants to keep you poor, to keep you pious, nonsense. Most of the people that tweet that are tweeting it from a $1,500 iPhone. Man, that irritates me. Telling people who are in need of dire financial breakthrough and tweeting from, God will keep you poor to keep you pious. Really? How much did you pay? How much do you pay a month to keep that line open? You hypocrite. You have... Leaders in the church that are writing books on why you should stay poor. And they use one scripture. The rich young ruler. God asked him to give everything away. That was one person. He didn't ask everyone else to give everything away. And remember what Jesus said after the rich young ruler went away and, and refused to give everything away. Jesus said, man, he was sorrowful. And then he said, anyone who gives up houses... Anyone who gives up land or property or anything for my sake shall in this lifetime reap a hundredfold and in the life to come, everlasting life. In this life shall reap a hundredfold. So Jesus wasn't even telling the rich young ruler to give everything away so he can keep him poor. I'll teach you what life's about. No, he said there was even, there was a, you can't sow without God blessing you back. So that's two. And then three, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Those are three. Three scriptures that if there's any pipeline of the blessing of God that's been clogged up, those three scriptures will unclog it. I'll throw in a fourth one. The, the Bible says he has uh, pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God, you don't have pleasure in my poverty. You don't have pleasure in me being in lack. You don't have pleasure in me wanting. You have pleasure in my prosperity. So Lord, I pray let the windows of heaven, as I've sowed faithfully, let the windows of heaven open so that my problem goes from not having enough to not having enough room to hold all the blessing in. Hallelujah. And when that blessing comes to you, it's not for you to hoard it. It's for you to advance the kingdom of God so that this world can hear the gospel before it's eternally too late. Number three, not tying scripture to your prayer request. Number four, not being specific. You should be specific when you pray. Oh, Lord, I'm just praying that you'd bless me. What? Blessing is so broad. There's so many ways God can bless you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. 
There are so many ways God can bless you. And there's no faith really attached to a prayer that says, Lord, I just want to be blessed. Uh, Kenneth Hagin said when people used to come to his prayer line, they'd ask him, uh, he'd, he'd ask, what do you want me to pray for? And they'd say, nothing in particular. Kenneth Hagin would say, Father, I pray, give him nothing in particular. <laughs> That's exactly what you'll get, nothing in particular. Well, I'm just praying that I'd have, you know, I, I, I just have uh, God's blessing on my life. What does that mean? What area do you need God's blessing to change for you? Matthew 20, 29. As they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two, two men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Have mercy on me, son of David. Then the multitude sternly warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more. Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Notice how Jesus didn't say, You know, Father, I just pray that you give him peace through this blindness. What do you want me to do for you? Carte blanche, they say in French. Carte blanche. White, a, a, a clean slate. Whatever you want. A, a blank check. What do you want me to do for you? Be specific. Lord, that our eyes may be open. Lord, we just, whatever you see fit. No, they weren't. Is that such, such religious hypocrisy? Whatever you see fit. And then you go out and you start complaining about everything in life. Obviously, it's not whatever he sees fit. If God has the power to change it, stop whatever he sees fit. Lord, this is where I want you to target your power for a supernatural turnaround. And they said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. And Jesus had compassion. He didn't rebuke them. He appreciated, God never, Jesus never rebuked faith. He rebuked unbelief, he rebuked doubt. He never rebuked faith. He always honored faith by fulfilling his word in that area of need. And Jesus always appeared to people in the form of their need. Oh, we're in a wilderness. We need, we need feed to, uh, food to feed 5,000 5, men, not counting women and children. Jesus said, let's get to work. He appeared to them in the area of their need. So what do you need God to do for you today? Do you need healing? Then ask him with the scriptures in mind. Be specific. What do you need? Not, Lord, I just pray you heal me. What do you need healing? Doctor said it's this. God, I pray. High blood pressure be reversed right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you'd bless my children. What do you want them to, what, what do you want him to bless them with? Are they lost? Do they need salvation? God, I pray that you would open up their spiritual eyes to see the glorious message of the cross, that they would not go to a sinner's hell, but that they'd rejoice in heaven forever, that they'd have their eyes open to the truth of the gospel, that that gospel would be power unto them for salvation. Be specific. Young Hee Cho, uh, the pastor of what was once the largest church in the world, in Seoul, South Korea, Seoul, South Korea, He said that when he was starting out in the ministry, he was a young minister and didn't have much money at all. But he, he wanted to have like an office so he can have meetings with people and study and read and prepare his messages. But he didn't want just any office. He wanted uh, an office uh, with... Well, he had, he had first asked God... This is where I'm getting at. He had first asked God for a chair, a table, and a, a, a bicycle so he can go out and do his meetings. Back in the day, they didn't, you know... To have a car in, in South Korea was a huge thing. And he wasn't very wealthy at that time. So just give me a bicycle that I can go out and, and, and run my errands and do house visits, hospital visits. For months, 
He kept praying, God, I need a chair. God, I need a, a, a desk. And God, I need a bicycle to do all these, this work that you've called me to do. And for months, he received nothing. Finally, the Lord got irritated and was like, you never asked me. He replied in prayer, you never asked me what type of desk you want. You never asked me what kind of chair you want. And you never asked me what brand or company of bicycle you want. And he felt rebuked. He's like, man, it's true. See, that shows you God wants you to be specific in your praying because if, if God just answered your generic prayer, you'd never even tie glory to Him. You'd never return the glory to Him because you'd think it was just coincidence. But when you start to pray specifics and you start to ask specificity in prayer and God starts to answer those prayers to the T, then you realize nobody did this but God. So what did He do? Lord, I want a mahogany desk. Desk. I'm asking you for, a, I'm setting my faith for a mahogany desk. I'm setting my faith, I don't want just any chair. He, he, he Just go for the best. When God says, what do you want me to do for you? Don't cheap line him. Don't baseline him. If I can just have, he can do all things. There's nothing impossible. He owns all the silver and all the gold. If I could just have a job. What job do you want? What hours would you like? What pay and salary would you like? I'm not saying he's some genie in a bottle. But God has said, call unto me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not of. God would never have invited you to pray unless he was willing and eager to answer your prayer. So ask and you shall receive. If you ask for a piece of bread, God's not going to give you something you don't want. He'll give you the piece of bread. I want an executive chair, Yonggi Cho said. One that can swivel, swivel. One that can swivel. And I can, I can turn, and, and he said, I wanted to be like a big boss and turn around in my chair. And then three, I want, not any bike, I would like, I think he said like a blue bicycle that's made in America. A, an American-made bicycle. Which at that time in Korea, you know, it's not like they were handing them out. So he begins to preach from that Sunday that God gave him. So remember what I said in Tuesday's broadcast, whatever things you desire, pray that and believe that you have received them. So he believed that he had received it. He didn't see it out in the physical realm yet, but he was pregnant with these things in his, in his, um, in his spirit. So he began to, to, to tell people that he had a, a, a mahogany desk, an executive chair, and an American-made bicycle. Finally, some teenage people, from, teenage kids from his church said, man, we want to see that bicycle. We'd love to see that bicycle. And so, because it was like a big thing in a poor, poor village. So he brings him back to his house. And he's like, Lord, I don't have a bicycle. What am I going to do? He walks in. He says, there's my desk. There was no desk. There's my chair and there's my bicycle. There was nothing. They started to laugh at him. And he said, I'm pregnant with these things in my spirit. And they mocked at him. And then it went around town that Yonggi Cho, a male, was pregnant. Because they had natural mind. Remember, the natural man cannot receive the things of God. It's foolishness to him. And he can't receive them. He can't discern them. He can't understand it. He can't wrap his mind around it. And as such, the carnal mind is death. But the spiritual mind is life and peace. He that is spiritually minded rightly judges all things. Well, a couple of weeks later, he ends up, I don't know where he got it from. I'd have to reread the story. But a mahogany desk comes in. An executive chair comes in. It's not like he was going around telling people. He, he actually told people he had already received it. And then thirdly, that he, uh, an American missionary that was in Korea was about to leave. And since he couldn't take his, his American, he had brought his bike back 
He, he had brought, brought his bike from America, but he didn't want to bring it back. He felt from the Lord to sew it. He sewed it into Young Cho. Three weeks later, he had a, a mahogany desk, an executive chair, and um, he had his, uh, his American-made bicycle in hand. God will not be mocked. When you sow specific prayers, he will give you specific answers. Not being specific is an incredible mistake you're making. Ask God. Not just if you're believing for a spouse. Ask him, what kind of spouse do you want? Because if you ask God for a spouse and you just get any, you'll just take anything that comes your way, you might end up with some loser. And I know some of you got offended by that. Well, how can you really talk that there's, you know, tell people they're losers? The Bible says there's foolish people. The Bible talks about uh, people that are, are, are lazy, idle people. You don't want some lazy spouse. You don't want some idle spouse. What do you want? I want a diligent man or a diligent woman. I want one who, who has ambitions to do great things in, in life. I want someone, if you're in the ministry, you can't just ask God for any type of spouse. You need someone that's going to come alongside you in the ministry. It takes a special grace to do that. Not being specific. Elijah prayed specifically for a drought. And then he prayed specifically for rain. And when he prayed for the rain, what did he do? There was no rain, but he still, he, his confession lined up with his prayer. And he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Which leads me to point number five, which is my last point. Not lining up your confession with what you prayed for after you pray. Many people pray for something. And in the moment, they have an opportunity to complain about the thing they prayed about. They let loose. They have no guard over their mouth. And the Bible says, neither murmur as some of them murmured and complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. You can't pray for healing and then go out, get around some people and say, well, doctor says I don't have long to live. And he said that, um, you know, unless this medication works, there's really no hope for it. You just negated the effect of your prayer by the words you spoke after you pray. The words that you speak after you pray are just as important as the words and the faith that you are expressing while you pray. Your words are either going to uproot your prayer efforts or solidify them in the ground to bring forth much fruit, to bring forth a harvest of miracles. Your words, I'm going to repeat that, will either uproot your prayer efforts, or solidify the seed you sowed in prayer to bring forth a harvest of miracles. Look at Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. He's praying. He had been praying for Elizabeth's womb to open up many years. He's, in, he's the, the, the priest that was chosen to go before the Holy of Holies that day. And the Bible says, Gabriel, the angel of God, the archangel, the messenger angel, comes before him and says God has heard your prayer and and God has answered your prayer your wife is going to conceive and bring forth a child his name will be John the Baptist and he'll not touch wine or drink and he'll be mighty in the sight of God and great in the sight of the Lord he'll be a prophet of the most high and go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah so God wasn't just giving him any kid this was the forerunner to the Messiah what does Zechariah do Lord how can I know these things are going to happen? What did the angel do? Struck him mute that moment. And said, I'm, a, I'm Michael. I'm a Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent by heaven to tell you these words. And behold, because you didn't believe them, your mouth will, will be closed until the time of its fulfillment. Why did the angel have to do that? Because the angel knew the laws of the kingdom. 
that a man in his tongue has the power to release death and life. If he had let Zechariah just run his mouth, that woman would have miscarried. John would have, ne would have never been born. So Zechariah, uh, the angel had to, sh to, to, to mute Zechariah's doubt-filled mouth until the time of, uh, of, of that birth. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. This is a, an amazing story of what I'm trying to, to illustrate. 2 Kings chapter 7. They're in a famine. The Syrians besiege them. They're resulting to like eating their children. So Elisha comes on the scene and he says, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a say of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two sayers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. So God's word came forth. Tomorrow the famine's going to end. The economy is going to be booming better than it's ever been. And the economic analyst of the day stood up and he said, look, even if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And Elisha replied, in fact, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. This is, in my opinion, where people go wrong the most in praying. Because they're praying. They're even tearing up in prayer. Their hearts tied into prayer. They've even used scriptures to back up their prayer. But then they go away. They start talking about their problems, magnifying their problems, telling everybody, you know, you got to choose today. I'm either going to be a sympathy party and a pity party, or I'm going to, I'm going to choose to secure God's help. I'm either going to secure man's sympathy and man's pity, or I'm going to secure God's help concerning my situation. So people leave, they complain, and then they see everybody else getting answered to prayer, and they've prayed. Matter of fact, they even say, I've been to more prayer meetings than they have, and they've been, they're having their prayers answered, and I'm not. Because they haven't put a guard to their mouth. David said, let, a, let the words of my mouth be pleasing, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O my rock and my redeemer. The Bible says, a man shall be satisfied by the produce of his, of his mouth. He shall be filled with the produce of his mouth. So it doesn't matter how much you pray. If you go out and throw acid on that prayer, it will corrode and bring forth nothing. So what did Elisha say? In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Then you skip forward. Skip forward to... Um, verse 17. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him at the gate. And he died, just as the man of God had spoken. So it happened, just as the man of God spoke to the king, saying, Two sails of barley for a shekel, and a sail of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time, that the officer and, and the officer that answered the man of God said, Now look, if the Lord should make windows of heaven, should such a, could such a thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall eat with... You shall see it with your eyes, but not eat of it. So it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. The Bible says, you will have what you say. Not just you will have what you pray. You will have what you say. The Bible says in Numbers 14, 26, uh, 28, As you have spoken in the hearing of my ears, so shall I do to you. As you have spoken in the hearing of my ears. Your negative words after you pray paralyze your prayer efforts. They guarantee that they 
They, your prayers stay grounded. And they never reach heaven's throne. Isaiah said, I, the Lord, create the fruit of your lips. So he's not just committed to answering your prayer. He creates the fruit of your lips, whether good or bad. That's why Jesus said every idle word will be judged. Idle words. You, by your words, you will be justified. Or I, by your words, you will be condemned. I said it before. Elijah prayed for rain. But then he didn't say, well, it's just a cloud. Prayed for rain and all we got was a crowd, a cloud. Well, I guess we can do our best in praying, but what God sees fit, he'll, div- he'll give us. Amen? No, not amen. He didn't do that. What did he do when he saw that cloud? That's another thing is people see a little progress and then they stop praying. They stop speaking. They get lazy. And then the cloud just vapors up and does nothing. He, did, he didn't just see the cloud. He started to confess in line with what he had prayed for. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. You prayed for yourself to be healed and you still feel pain? Start to confess God's word. That says, by his stripes I'm healed. Doesn't matter what I feel. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. If I walk by sight, I'd be miserable. I'd be emotionally led. I'd be a roller coaster tycoon. Up and down and all around. We walk by faith. What is faith? Faith sees. With the spirit, what are not yet manifest with the flesh, with the eyes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things not yet seen. By faith, Noah moved with godly fear. And he prepared an ark. Faith will cause you to speak differently in the face of obstacles. Faith will cause you to act differently in the face of obstacles. Nothing changed for Hannah. When she prayed and poured out her soul before the Lord. But what happened after she prayed? Did she go back and still sneering at Penina and saying, you keep on laughing? No. The Bible says she prayed and then she rose up and wiped her tears. You've cried long enough. Tears are the devil's trophy. Faith is what secures divine intervention. I prayed. I prayed about it. God heard me. He said, believe that you have received it. If you believe that you've received something, would you still talk like you haven't received it? When you order a package on Amazon and the money's re- it's, it's retracted from your bank account, you see there's a negative $30 for that, obj- that, that specific thing you ordered. And it says shipping, expected delivery, two days from now. Do you still, do you call Amazon's headquarters every day? Listen, I ordered this product just 13 minutes ago money's taken out of my account where's my product i've been asking for this no you, you don't do that because you amazon is actually pretty good at least for me i've had a very good experience with amazon they're always on time or earlier and so i'm not calling amazon's headquarters you know that um, that new microphone stand we ordered if it doesn't i'm going to be canceling my order if it doesn't come in by in the next five minutes. It already has a due date. There's a due date. Two days from now. And what happens? I just tell people. Yeah, I'm actually ordering a new microphone stand. It's coming in two days from now. Oh, I actually just ordered one of those things. It's, it's coming in in about three days. Expected delivery date. You start telling people that it's coming in. So you do the same in faith. Uh, how do you feel today? 
I feel great because the word of God says I am healed and I'm strong and let the weak say I'm strong. Whether I see it or not, I know that my healing's manifesting. It's like people will ingest uh, medication, they'll take a vaccine, and they'll put such tremendous faith in the scientist's ability to concoct some vaccine that's going to help you against some disease or virus. And they have no shadow of doubt. Oh, thank God they came up with this vaccine. But then when it comes to faith, it's like we believe God is some incompetent human, uh, some incompetent being in the heavens. He's not trustworthy. Like he's got an unproven track record. He's got a proven track record. He's never failed. And you're not about to ruin that track record. He said, the same Lord over all is rich unto all, rich unto all who call upon him. And those who call upon the Lord shall never be disappointed. Stop expecting, if I can put a bonus, it would be stop expecting disappointment. Stop expecting failure. Stop carrying a mental image of failure after you pray. Start to carry a mental image, uh, an imagination of success. Start to see yourself whole. Start to see the thing that you've been praying about materializing and you praising God as such. Start to see and visualize God's promises coming true no matter what you're standing on. Hallelujah. That's right, Desiree. You serve a powerful father. And he's not God to you. He might be God to the world, but he's father to me. And he has my best interest at hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Before I do that, I said it on Tuesday. Only those who say our father can approach God in prayer. And not everybody can call God their father. Jesus said you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you desire to do. There's something called sin that has poisoned and laced the human race. And the only answer to that sin is redemption by Christ Jesus. Jesus died the death we should have died. And he took on the sin that we carried so that we can live the life that he lives. The son of God became the son of men so that the sons of men can become sons of God. The way you become a son of God is very simple. A, B, and C. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you sinned. If you're too prideful to do that, there's no help for you in God. Admit that you went the wrong way. Admit that you made a mistake in life. Admit that without God, there's no heaven. Number two, believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Believe the gospel that Christ died a sinner's death, but he rose again three days later. And number three is C, you need to consecrate. Commit your life to Jesus today. Commit your life. Confess Christ as Lord. Not just Savior. There's many people that declare Jesus is the Savior of their life, but they refuse to declare Him as Lord. Make Him the Lord of life. What's a Lord? Someone you're dedicated to following. Someone that every morning you wake up with hand to head and asking for your marching orders from your commander-in-chief. And follow Him. And when you do that, the Bible says that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That the Lord is faithful, and whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. Saved. That word saved in the Greek is sozo. It doesn't just mean you'll make heaven. It means saved, preserved, healed, whole, made well, made strong, and partakers of God's blessing. If that's you today and you've never done that, or maybe you have, but you've fallen sh uh, short of the glory of God. You've, you, you've backslid. You've turned back into your, that muddy pit that God took you out of, and you, you're back at the same situation, maybe even worse. Today's your day. 
Now's not the time to sit in sorrow and complain. And say, oh man, I really shouldn't have done that. Would God ever take me back? Yes, he'll take you back like the prodigal son. The father was not just waiting for him to come back so he can say, you know, you shouldn't have done all those things. You think you're going to come back? No. He, met, he went to run at him and met him with open arms and said, this my son was dead and lost, but now he's alive and found. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now from the bottom of your heart. Declare this with faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that God raised you, God raised Jesus from the dead. I confess that Christ is my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean by the blood. Turn my life around. Let old things be past. And from today, everything become new. I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is now my home. Fill me with your spirit to empower me to live a life worthy of the calling that you've called me with. And I'll never turn back. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to go on my website, salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Click it, fill it out, get that information to me. I want to help you out. I want to get something new free of charge as a way of saying welcome to the family. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.